Hello and welcome to a fairly frazzled episode of Fast Charge. I think it's fair to say, uh, in case you haven't noticed, it is Black Friday week. Uh, uh, in fact, technically, as we call this, it is Thanksgiving. So if you're an American listener, happy ooh, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Um, but equally, it's your fault that we have Black Friday. And so, uh, uh, we are very busy uh, covering all the deals and savings on tech stuff. And I know we actually promised a while ago we were not going to do a Black Friday bit or other. I think someone else on the Todd suggested we should. And I reacted aggressively <laughs> to the suggestion. Uh, but I have, of course, reneged on my word. We are going to talk about Black Friday a bit because if nothing else, there's not so much else going on in the tech world this week and it is important and it is a big deal and i think it's worth kind of chatting through some of the stuff we've seen around phone savings both in the us and the uk because those are the two markets we mainly cover uh and a bit of a sense of what's going on there you know is black friday worth it this year are there any good deals out there uh, before that we do have some actual stuff to talk about so we're going to start with the mediatek dimensity 9000 uh this was the this is the new flagship chipset from mediatek kind of teased it a bit last week because it was announced hours after our episode last week but so we weren't allowed to talk about it then but it is official now and it's particularly exciting because next week we're probably going to meet the new snapdragon rival and for the first year i think it's fair to say it looks like we have a real fight on our hands with these two high-end chips uh, which definitely feels like a change mediatek have stepped up in a big way this time around uh, and then once we're done with that, we're going to talk about the OnePlus 10 Pro. No, it hasn't been announced or anything, but after OnLeak shared renders of the device over the past few weeks, uh, this week we've actually also had a pretty comprehensive spec leak, also from OnLeaks, uh, telling us we think everything we kind of need to know, at least all the high-level stuff, about what the OnePlus 10 Pro is going to offer. So we're going to talk that through, especially because I have to warn you, you might be a bit disappointed by what the 10 Pro has to offer. Um, okay, before that, let's get to some other bits and pieces from the news. Uh, so just today, Oppo announced the Reno 7 series in China. They were launched. Um, there are three phones, the Reno 7, the 7 Pro, and the 7 SE. As you might be used to with the Reno series, these are still fairly mid-range devices, so even, even the Pro has the Dimensity 1200 chipset. That's the same one as the OnePlus Nord 2. Although this is, uh, everyone loves to use custom versions of the Dimensity 1200. Uh, so in the Nord 2, it was the, it was the 1200 AI. What we have here in the 7 Pro is the Dimensity 1200 Max. Ooh. Uh, I, I don't know what makes it different to the other ones, to be honest. Probably Nothing. not very much. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but there you go. The 1200 Max is inside the 7 Pro, uh, paired with a 90 hertz OLED, which surprised me. I really, I know this is kind of mid-range, but I still thought we would have had the jump to 120. Um, and then a 50 megapixel Sony IMX766 camera sensor. So actually on paper, this is quite a similar phone to the OnePlus Nord 2. Uh, no bad thing, I really like the OnePlus Nord 2, but it did launch six months ago, give or take, and it's not sort of the pro model in a new series, so it's a little bit funny. Um, there is one really cool thing about uh, these phones. I'm not sure if it's on all of them, but certainly 7 Pro. Uh, there's a little LED ring around the camera module. I'm here for it. It's cool. Uh, I really like <laughs> it. So it's just like, uh, I think the idea is you use it like a notification LED. So if you have your phone face down at a table, 
it can light up when a notification comes in. Um, I know we've spoken before about little notification displays on the back of phones and things like that. Um, I'm generally a fan of all this stuff. I, I, I think having old displays is maybe a bit for, but I like, I have my screen light up when I get notifications come in and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and if you like that stuff, I think this is really good. I think my real question is, how often do people sit with their phone screen down? Because that's the one thing I never do, because I'm worried about scratching my screen. I Presently, do all the time. The, uh, do you? As long as I've got a oh case my... that has a slight lip, I'm usually phone, oh, phone okay. side, like, screen side down. I think oh, I, I never trust it. I do it for a few reasons. One, because it's flat, whereas the back of phones are not flat that because too. of the camera modules. So they're knocking around the table, might slide off. Um, two, it stops me looking at my phone all the time if I have the screen uh, away and just the back of the phone facing up. That doesn't um, make sense. So anyway, yeah, I, I quite like this feature and that is one thing I would like to see other people start copying. That's And it's one of those ones you see Oppo do it and you just go to kind of think, it's weird that no one did that before, but it <laughs> took so long for someone to think of turning these big obtrusive camera modules into an LED notification thing because it seems so obvious in retrospect. I mean, I guess... Uh, kind of i don't know if it's called jumping the shark or, or not or they just kind of jumped a few steps with the uh xiaomi mi 11 ultra they just skipped the light and went for a full-on display yeah right <laughs> so uh speaking of xiaomi actually thank you for the accidental huh. segue toddy does not know my news list but Planned. he nailed Planned. it perfectly this time. uh there is some some xiaomi 12 news um the Latest leak is that the Xiaomi 12 is going to be revealed in December, so that is next month, which sounds about right. What's more interesting is that we think there's going to be a second phone revealed with the 12 called the 12X, uh, and this is essentially a Xiaomi 12 compact or mini or something. Um, it looks like it's not going to be as high powered, so in a way it's just like a light model, but it's smaller as well. So it's a Snapdragon 870 chip, we think. Um, but the interesting part is it's a 6.3-inch display, which I know it's one of those things that sounds like a big display, but actually by Android standards, that's, that's quite small, compact. Yeah. yeah, yeah. the Mi 11, I think, was a 6.7-inch, um, or, or certainly in that region. So this will be a relatively small Xiaomi 12 phone, which um, I'll take it. I, I, for one, really welcome. I, I kind of wish, I guess, it's a shame it's lower spec as well. I wish we were getting a... A proper mini version of the Xiaomi 12, a fully spec smaller one, like Apple do and like Sony does with the Xperia 5s. But I'll take this. Um, actually, also a quick ca uh, caveat on here: there was some talk, maybe even on the pod last week, about there being a Xiaomi 12 Ultra Enhanced Edition based on some sort of product code names. Uh, absolute rubbish. There was a mix-up, <laughs> and it turns out those are actually the first product code names from the what's probably the Xiaomi Mix 5 series. So those product numbers Ooh. have now been identified with the Mix branding. So it looks like we actually got our first look at some Mix 5 stuff and cool. people just got it mixed up with the with the 12s. Mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, what else? The, oh yeah, I didn't even say, welcome back, Toddy, after your two Hi. weeks swanning around in Scotland. I, I see you brought a tree home with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, there were so many beautiful trees, I just had to take one for the, uh, for the road. <laughs> Uh, right, Pixel 6a <laughs> is next. Um, this has leaked so many leaks this week, despite nothing, you know, not that much being actually announced. It feels like only the other week we had the 6 and the 6 Pro announced. Um, the 6a is probably yeah. months away, but still, it has leaked already. We've actually had a render of it already. It looks a lot like the 6 and 6 Pro, but um, the camera module, you still got the camera bar, but it's a little smaller. 
to reflect less advanced camera tech, which makes sense and actually in a way makes it more attractive. It's also, funny enough, it's a smaller phone than the 6 and it's got thinner bezel than the 6. So it looks in every respect more attractive than the full <laughs> Pixel 6, which is a kind of weird weird way for these things to end up. Only Google, I think, could walk into this. Those bezels are uh, so big on the, on the 6, it's mad. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely crazy for a flagship. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a 6.2 inch OLED. So just a little bit smaller than that Xiaomi 12X. Again, this is all leaked. We don't know for sure, but we think a 6.2 inch OLED. Um, probably going to use the Tensor chip, apparently, like the other 6s, though we're not certain on that, but most people seem to think we're going to see a Tensor inside it. Bit more dispute over the camera. Uh, the first leak of the Pixel 6a came saying it would have a 50 megapixel Samsung sensor, uh, the GN1, which I, I can't remember if that's the same one that's in the, the 6. It's expected. I don't think we've seen a teardown yet, so we can't confirm. Uh, but then second, second leak has come away and said, actually, it's the 12 megapixel main camera from the Pixel 5 that's going to be in the 6a, which makes more sense. But that is also the same sensor as the 4 and the 3 then, right? It's the IMX 360. Yes, it's the one they've been using for years. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> they can't break least... these habits. <laughs> well, the, I mean, I guess I, I, I'm with you, but equally I'm kind of like, well, hang on. If this phone has the same chip and the same camera as the 6 and is more compact, like... It, it doesn't feel like a downgrade in no, any no, meaningful not, no. way. So it has to be, there has to be something that's not as good yeah, as the regular so, six, so. right? And I guess this makes sense. Um, there is a, one, one other minor noteworthy thing from the renders we've seen. There is no headphone jack, which would make it the first Pixel A series phone to drop it, uh, which is a little bit of a shame, though not really surprising. Uh, right, so many phones this week. Uh, we have another one, the Honor 60. This is actually coming. This is going to be a launch next week. Honor has confirmed a December 1st Chinese launch for the Honor 60. Uh, they've shown off a photo of it. It looks very similar to the 50. It's got that same two big circle design uh, for the cameras on the rear. Uh, we're expecting a few phones. There's actually been very few spec leaks for it, though, so we don't really know what's, what's coming. There's some nod to maybe a Snapdragon 870 in the Pro model. Because again, these are kind of mid-rangers uh, and maybe a 100 watt charging, but no one seems to be very certain. We didn't really hear much about these until Honor actually started teasing the launch. Um, you may remember the Honor 50 actually launched months and months and months ago in China. And it took, I don't know, four or five months before it got its global release. So I, I kind of, until we know better, I would guess we're going to be on the same sort of timeline here. But like we still haven't had the Magic 3 launch globally. And that also launched several months ago in China. And then we have had promise of a global launch for that one. So if you're outside of China, as I assume almost everyone listening to this is, um, I would guess they're going to launch the Honor 60 elsewhere, but they haven't confirmed it yet. And even if they do, certainly not this year. Um, probably spring 2022 would be a, a fairly safe bet. Right, final thing from the news bit today. Not a phone. Um, but kind of interesting nonetheless. Some things other than phones are interesting. Um, Tile, the tracking company, has been sold. Uh, it's been sold to a company I'd never heard of called Life360, which oh, yeah. is an Australian company that basically does a kind of uh, family and friends location tracking app. Yeah, kind of like Find Friends before. I think it was existing yeah. before Find Friends was a thing or... Mm. It tandem. was kind of like the Android alternative. Yeah, that uh, was, so yeah, like yeah. if you had some people on Android and some people on iOS, you'd go for, for Life360 because it right. was just the same thing. I am 
mildly flummoxed that they are apparently a much a bigger company than yeah. Tile to have the budget to yeah. buy Tile rather than the other way around. Um, but yeah, they they bought Tile for two hundred and five million dollars. So uh, either Life three hundred and sixty is doing much better than I would have guessed for what it is, or it's also bankrolled by by some giant giant company. Um, but anyway, this kind of makes sense. It's obviously a merging of these two things. Um, in a way that maybe gives gives Tile the space to stay competitive in a in a post AirTag world. Uh, Tile themselves have sounded pretty down on their prospects <laughs> about yeah. about the AirTag as competition. It's got to be said. To be honest. <laughs> well, what's funny is the, the, there's kind of these contrasting quotes because the Tile CEO has previously basically gone and said, you know, he made this this analogy that like competing against Apple is like playing football. Uh, and you may have the best team, but you're playing against someone who like owns the ball and owns the league and owns the <laughs> stadium and can change the rules whenever they want. And you know it's you, you, kind of hopeless no matter how good you are. By contrast, the the statement uh, the statement from the CEO of Life360 around this sale was basically compared it to AirPods and how AirPods being announced like created a true wireless headphone market that didn't exist before, and they didn't invent the true wireless earbud. But small companies doing it didn't create a, mar- a marketplace. Mm. It was still a niche product until Apple stepped in, made it mainstream, and their kind of view was more, well, now AirTags will make Bluetooth trackers a mainstream product, and Tile can capitalize on that. I just we'll think a nice way to look at it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I was expecting that to be the case, assuming like Tile had just stayed the course and not sold itself or, or made itself available mm. for purchase. I thought this was going to help Tile ultimately. Um I just think they maybe dropped the ball by not having an ultra wideband tracker ready ahead of the AirTag. The fact they have they have announced one, but it's not yeah, until next year. Exactly. So like. that's what feels like the biggest screw up there because they could have seen this coming. Even even Samsung had an ultra wideband out before before the AirTag, so it's not like Apple totally took everyone by surprise with this revolutionary no. tech no one else was ready for. But it is people uh, just kind of being almost complacent because they have effectively the monopoly or at least they're one of the biggest players in the space and then apple waits in and changes yeah as you say changes the rules basically not anymore (laughs) (laughs) uh right okay let's turn to our first proper topic of today so the mediatek dimensity 9000 was unveiled last thursday shortly after the podcast Uh, i'm happy to admit um to any mediatek people listening you narrowly avoided me hideously breaking embargo and announcing the Dimensity 9000 on the show because I completely misread my embargo time. And we were all lined up on the day last week to talk about it until I clocked that I, I hadn't noticed the time zone of, of the timing and we oh. weren't allowed to talk about it and it wasn't going to be announced. And uh, there was a real last minute panic as uh, we, we reshuffled things. So I nearly screwed that one up. Pretty badly. We would have had a lot of views, though, so that would have been good. I know, it would have been a great <laughs> exclusive, but MediaTek would never have spoken to me again. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I, I did not break embargo. I followed the rules. Um, MediaTek duly got to announce their chip uh, a few hours after last week's show. Um, so, the Dimensity 9000, uh, let's get some of the headline stuff out of the way. This is uh, the new premium tier kind of flagship system on chip for smartphones. Uh, it's four nanometer, manufactured on a four nanometer process by uh, TSMC, if you care about such things. Um, so it's the first four nanometer phone chip we've had, I believe. Um, and it's using the new ARM V9 architecture from early this year. So that means you get a Cortex X2 prime core, uh, in this case clocked at just over three gigahertz. Um, and then three A710 cores and four A510 
efficiency cores. Uh, and then a Mali G710 GPU, and perhaps interestingly, support for LPDDR5X RAM, which is a new RAM standard that mm. kind of came in earlier this year. Samsung is the uh, was the first company to announce that they even had sort of that RAM available, and that was only two weeks ago or something. Though I think following MediaTek's announcement, there've been a, a couple others. Um, so that's the chip. Um, all of that sounds like tech nonsense, kind of gobbledygook, if you don't follow follow the kind of chip side of things particularly closely, which I assume most people don't. So what you really need to know is this is probably very powerful and it is probably fairly similar to whatever Qualcomm are about to announce. Yeah. And that's kind of the big game changer here. So if you look to, say, last year's chips, we had the Snapdragon 888 from Qualcomm and then MediaTek's highest end chip was the Dimensity 1200 that one that's in in the Oppo Reno 7 Pro and I was kind of teasing at me and they're saying oh, it's a mid-range chip but the thing is MediaTek always positioned it as a flagship they declared that that was their flagship chip last year it was their high-end offering but in terms of its you know performance compared to the Qualcomm it just wasn't it was and ended up being used primarily in upper mid-range devices like the Nord 2 and kind of cheap flagships and or like the light entries in flagship lines and things like that that doesn't look to be the case this year. All the rumors we've seen about whatever the next Qualcomm chip is basically say it's going to be 4 nanometers like this. It's going to have a single Cortex-X2 chip probably clocked somewhere around 3 gigahertz just like this. It's going to have 3A710s. It's going to have 4A510s. Like, this architecture looks to be fundamentally identical, at least in terms of the core CPU and GPU stuff. Um, there's obviously a lot more intricacies to how these things work and how they eke out performance. And I think especially on the AI side, maybe where Qualcomm pulls ahead, because I that's sort of an area they've put so much emphasis on in recent years. Yeah. But on paper, sort of top level, this looks very comparable to what we think Qualcomm's going to announce. And that has never been the case before at the flagship end. I'm, I'm really happy for MediaTek as a brand because I've always felt like they've been sort of like... <laughs> like sidelined bit of a dirty word mm. if you hear like a phone is like running a MediaTek over a qualcomm like qualcomm did such a good job with their branding yeah. like and yeah. marketing over the years and obviously like they did just make i think superior chips at the time or they at least won over and, oems and certainly at the high end they yeah always exactly had. exactly yeah. and yeah and that's I, don't, where, I don't think you know, anyone could argue that at the high end qualcomm weren't just better yeah for but the then last few years. you know you saw much more of a mix of the budget and low-end stuff because yeah. MediaTek was value for money then a lot better um, mm. But I think I would say it maybe was with the shift of the dimensity range and then them kind of pushing into 5G where I really started to see their chips become kind of getting taken more seriously. Um, but yeah, this one seems like it really will give potentially give Qualcomm's new top chip a run for its money, which I don't know if you talked about it last week, the name changing system for the Snapdragon. No, range. so that also wasn't announced uh, as of our podcast last week. Right, so okay, yeah. I was actually about to, to segue to that because I think it's kind right. of an interesting point with you. You mentioned Qualcomm has this kind of brand superiority mm. and it feels like they know it because, <laughs> and that maybe they're trying, going to try and lean into that as being their maybe. distinguishing feature because, yeah, they announced this week uh, a, a minor rebrand um, for, for the Snapdragon stuff. They basically said that they're going to simplify their naming structure for their chips. The whole three-digit thing is out the window. So whatever next week's chip is called, it will not be the 895 or the 898. Instead, they're going to go for a single digit and then a generation marker. Um, they're sticking with the same like 
tiers they have. So they're still going to have the four, five, uh, sorry, the four, six, and seven, and eight tiers of performance. Um, we'd seen the name eight Gen One leak before. Based on what they've said, that feels plausibly like the name they're going to announce next week, but we don't know. Um, they could have some, some strange surprise up their sleeve. The more interesting bit of this is that they're consciously pulling back on Qualcomm as part of the branding, mm. and that they're basically realizing that Snapdragon is a brand and can be a big brand. And so instead of it being the Qualcomm Snapdragon, whatever, they're trying to they're going to push it as just the Snapdragon something. So they're going to take Qualcomm off of the the chip badge that kind of gets advertised places. There won't be a Qualcomm logo. They're going to really pull back on that and just emphasize the Snapdragon brand in its own right, give that name more prominence, give that kind of fireball logo more prominence, um, which really feels like them just kind of being like, yeah, people care about Snapdragon and we want to lean into that. Um, it's interesting. It's kind of the reverse of what Intel did because, you know, in the, I don't know, early 2000s, late 90s, they were pushing the Pentium brand mm-hmm. super hard for consumers. And then nowadays... You know, you'll get a laptop that says Intel inside, but doesn't really like specify the model or class of chip. Yeah. Um, and also, Qualcomm previously used to go really hard on the Snapdragon. It obviously didn't hadn't uncoupled the two, but um, it had a whole mascot for Snapdragon. And in the US, it had huge sponsorships. It was a big deal. And then they kind mm. of just left it to kind of drift off and just become kind of more of a geeky only thing again. Um, so it's interesting that they're now kind of rekindling that focus on the Snapdragon brand. And I think the kind of consumer push that I assume is going to come with this rebranding. Mm. I think it probably partly ties into the efforts on the computer side as well, where they're really trying to push their Snapdragon, um, you know, 8CX and 7CX chips. Um, and, you know, they, they seem to think they're in a position to capitalize on this shift to like ARM architecture and that kind of thing. And we'll see because they're, you know, they haven't impressed hugely on that front so far, but, you know, and they've been blown away by Apple's efforts, but we'll see what they can do in the future. But I guess now they're in this interesting position to have a brand that ties those together. And they've, they've had that before with Snapdragon, obviously, but they, maybe now they want to lean into it a bit more. Um, it doesn't help that say things like the the Qualcomm logo is, is very much the logo of a networking and computing company. And it's, it's kind of quite plain blue text and not not super exciting and even the name is is not it's not sexy <laughs> no. i'm okay uh, with the fireball though that's a that's a perfectly fine logo yeah snap snapdragon's a good name and the, and the fireball is a pretty good standalone motif if you just want to drop that in places without even having the name so i can, I can see them doing this and i also think yeah honestly i think they're going to lean into brand going forwards yeah. i think that's going to be a big part of their push on why you know say they're your your qualcomm trying to sell your top tier chip whatever this new 8 series is going to be called you're trying to sell that to to an oem you're trying to persuade xiaomi that you should use this rather than the mediatek and well xiaomi's looking and saying well hey they've got the same basic performance they do exactly the same in benchmarks um you know what's what's got to persuade me to use you rather than mediatek and maybe mediatek i don't know come in with discounts i have no idea if they do or not i don't know how they're priced but we've heard a lot about qualcomm being priced quite high for OEMs, and that's part of what's driven the move to MediaTek recently. So if MediaTek are coming in and saying, hey, get the same performance from us for less, the only way Qualcomm can respond, other than slashing their own price, is to say, yeah, but people will buy your phone because it's a Snapdragon phone. 
And we've seen that kind of with the Samsung stuff, right? We know it has that brand pull. Yeah. And that's the best thing that could have ever happened to them <laughs> is that way we have this kind of tension where everyone's like, oh, I don't want that Exynos phone. I want the Snapdragon one. Um, and there is a cadre of people who really care about that. And Qualcomm can point to that and say, look, you know, you don't want people to be like, oh, I don't want that one. It's got the dimensity. <laughs> and, you know, I want the Snapdragon version. Um, and I think that is going to be what happens to some extent. And I think Qualcomm will will lean into that at least for now. Um, I mean, we'll see. Maybe, maybe they're going to blow us away next week and, and whatever they're announcing is actually going to be have, have some, some trick up its sleeve that makes it substantially more powerful than the Dimensity 9000. Mm. Um, I can say we've both chips have appeared on Antutu, the benchmark, which doesn't you know tell us definitively anything. Um, no. Both broke the million mark in terms of their scores, which for context, eight, uh, 888 phones tended to cap out around the mid 800,000s. Yeah, so bad. it's a pretty big generational leap uh, uh, you know, to, to break up above the million line. Um, they are incredibly close. Uh, the Dimensity 9000 scored 1,007,396, and the Snapdragon scored 1,035,020, mm. which uh, Notebook Check tells me is a 2.6% performance difference between the two. Um, which fundamentally is too close to call because these are both pre-release hardware. This is not kind of under different stages of optimization. One of them hasn't even been announced yet. So these are probably on test know. boards. We don't even know like what they're plugged exactly, into. Exactly. So this is not a definitive <laughs> reading that the Snapdragon is 2.6% more powerful. <laughs> yeah. What it tells us is they're probably very close. Which is, you know, again, what the leaks have told us about the specs. Which for manufacturers is really then a matter of price. If they are really that close and they can excel in, in tasks like AI exactly. and stuff as well, that these benchmarks don't necessarily reveal for. It basically comes down to either which one is cheaper, mm. uh, which one is easier to use. Yeah. And like I said, this branding question, do you think you will sell more phones if you can say that it's powered by Snapdragon versus saying it's powered by Dimensity? And, and also with the, the chip shortage whether they can both manufacture yes. at scale. Yeah, manufacturing of, pipelines. I know TSMC uh, is a huge manufacturer, so they're pretty... I, I'm sure they'll be okay uh, through all this, but I don't know who <laughs> Snapdragon gets its chips from. Probably the same manufacturers. Uh, it sure it varies overlap. depending on the chip. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see what, what this one is. They've used T TSMC in the past. Uh, right. uh, Samsung also they've used for, for the chip manufacturing. So mm. um, we'll, we'll just have to wait and find out. Um, yeah, so that, that'll be a big part of it. I know Qualcomm, for its part, has really, it's taken the line that it thinks the worst, it, it's past the worst of the chipset shortage. And that, you know, they're, they're not that they're not suffering from it at all anymore, but that things are on the up and they don't think it's going to be as big a problem going forwards. Yeah. I don't know what MediaTek have said. It's interesting though, because on the on the, the PC GPU side of things, they're predicting at least another two years of this kind of thing before it gets any better. Oh, really? So like, <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting, like, where's Qualcomm getting this stuff from? And can they share it with NVIDIA and AMD, please? <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, I was about to say, well, Qualcomm are big enough to, you know, bully other people out of the market. But I don't know. Are they big enough to bully NVIDIA and AMD out of the market? Not necessarily. I mean, it's very different, you know, manufacturing pipelines and, and capacities, course, I guess. Yeah. So, um, And you can just buy a GPU as a consumer. You can't buy a phone 
a CPU yes. and whack it in your phone. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be interesting if, if maybe there's actually a benefit to these chips moving to the 4 nanometer process, because whether that means it's essentially new manufacturing kind of capacity that was already being built specifically to be ready yes. for the four nanometer chips whereas rather than trying to go into you know retooling existing stuff that other companies are fighting for access to you know if it's just kind of like well there's not that many people making four nanometer chips so we get full access to to, to that to that, I that, think that makes sense, actually yeah i'm also just kind of on a physics and engineering level curious about how like because there was a talk years back now of like we were going to reach a threshold of, of die size for these mm-hmm. chips and we have surpassed that by several i think orders over at this point um so yeah just like i'm wondering how, how far we're going to be able to go how small are these chips going to get 0.1 nanometer <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> we'll figure out some magical chemistry physics i think it's going to hit a point it. where they're going to start going down in, deci- in, in decimal points yeah. they're going to it's going to hit like three and they're going to like it's too hard to go from three to two so we're going to go 2.9 yeah. yeah or maybe <laughs> yeah, 2.9 2. 9. 9. Yeah. yeah no i i think that's probably reasonable <laughs> Electrons um, not, are kind of a fixed size, right? Like, there's going to be some limitations at some point. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it's it's going to be one of those things, right? It's a it's such a powerful marketing line. The yeah. it, it's one of the it first is. things that gets trotted out uh, in coverage of this stuff. You know, it was one of the first things I said about this chip. Oh, it's four nanometer, and to the average person, even to me, that kind of means something, but not a whole lot. Yeah. And to the average, you know, reader or whatever, it means absolutely nothing. Um, but if you get told this is what matters this is one of the big stats and this is better than the rival then everyone's going to care about doing it right yeah. regardless of the actual benefits um but yes so the one thing we don't know is which phones are going to use dimension 9000 which is obviously a big part of that discussion about um how it will compete um we've had the sort of familiar thing where a few brands have come out and said they're going to use it but not in devices uh it's mostly some of the ones you'd expect i'm pretty sure xiaomi was on the list honor was on the list uh one that surprised me i've got to say is samsung which is interesting because like i said this is a flagship chip so this isn't you know with previous MediaTeks, you might be like oh yeah i'll throw out a mid-ranger with it but if Samsung say they're going to use this, and that means it's going to appear in in an S22 or in one of next year's foldables or something on that tier, maybe probably not the S21 FE because that's so locked in, but maybe the S22 FE next year. But, you know, something in that top tier of which Samsung has a small pool of devices it makes in that true flagship space. Um, so I'm really fascinated to see where they're going to fit that in, especially because they're already... They've already got this battle internally between Exynos and Snapdragon, throwing a third party into the mix as they're supposedly trying to, you know, build emphasis on Exynos, their own brand, is well, an odd move. Will it be an even more kind of uh, subdivided region split where, you know, oh, some markets God. get the MediaTek yep. version, some markets get the Snapdragon and some markets get the Exynos? I really hope not. It's just confusing enough covering that stuff as is. Yeah. Well, considering the disparity, it was like the disparity finally kind of leveled out with the yeah. last set of chips, finally. And now we've got this potential of an, another third chip to consider for the yeah. same device, depending on where in the world you are. And of course, Google doing the tensors now. So that's going to start being a mess on, on the Pixel side. You know, the market's getting more competitive no matter what way you look at it. And that's a good thing. It's obviously a bad thing for Qualcomm. Um, 
but I think it's very much a, a, a good thing for everyone else and for phone buyers that this is happening and probably good for OEMs that this is happening. Um, I think, yeah, I, it's been long overdue for Qualcomm to have meaningful competition for flagship chips because it has just become the like complete deriga like expectation like oh flagship's coming out right snapdragon 888 like that just is what it will use because what else do you yeah. use that's all that's there uh the question would be well do you use the 888 or the 888 plus or maybe for your budget model you use last year's 865 or 870 like you know you're just picking between qualcomm models i was going to commend when i was talking about the fact you know the qualcomm's putting this name change into into place i was going to like commend them that they have simplified it and i like that but i could already picture in my head that they're going to do an eight point whatever gen one and there'll be an eight point whatever gen like yeah it, there's the this is one of the things that they've been really coy about. I, I was in a press briefing about the rebrand and they were just like, this can be great. It's going to be so sort of simple, single digit and a generation number, like bam, the one one chip, you know what it is. And obviously the first question like that came up repeatedly because <laughs> it never really got a good answer was just like, yeah, but you don't release one chip a year in each tier. You release like exactly. eight. <laughs> How are you going to distinguish between them? And all they said was, we have a plan but we're not ready to announce it yet. Oh. So they say they've got something in mind. I think what was interesting is is one of the um uh that their their uh, I think she was their, their director of marketing um who was on the call did kind of hint that part of their solution is honestly going to be releasing fewer chips. Um I mean right they, now they kind of have to. <laughs> but yeah. 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 <laughs> so I think that kind of constant deluge of a new chip every month that's a very minorly tweaked version of an existing one it sounds like they might be pulling back on that which doesn't surprise me because if nothing else that's probably an easier way to get past some of these manufacturing you know oh, yeah. crises mm. is just to stop changing the die every month and, and just pick one thing for each tier and go with it but i cannot believe we'll only get one eight series and one seven series per year so there will be something yeah. um probably like a mid-year refresh you know, maybe yeah, I, I mean, I reckon if nothing else, the plus will stick around. I think we'll get an 8 Gen 1, you know, 8 Gen 1, 8 Gen 1 plus, 7 Gen 1, 7 Gen 1 plus, that kind of thing. I was just picturing yeah. some sort of color coding system. So it's the oh. 8 Gen 1 red for like the best. No. And then it gets like cooler colors along like some sort of like gradient well, or something. I mean, they already are a bit because <laughs> they've already said part of their branding stuff was like, well, they're going to keep the gold as the color of, of the 8 series. The 8 series stuff also have like gold badges cool. and, and stuff like that. Um, there was also actually one other genuinely good thing, because we've mind about this in the past. They um, said that they're going to stop putting a 5G badge okay. in the name, because 5G will now be the default, it will be the norm. I think they'll still release some 4G models that will then be marked as the 4G version. 4G. But, you know, not, things won't have 5G in the name, because it's just assumed they are 5G now. I cannot wait for that to filter through properly to the phone side because we're still seeing so many phones come out with a whatever, whatever 5G and it's just, all right, we know it. It's probably 5G, we'll, we'll just get on with it. around for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. I, I feel like we've wrapped that one up unless either of you guys have anything else you want to throw out on the, on the chipset side. That's good. That's yeah. a lot of chip talk. A lot of chip talk. Okay. Um, I mean, I hate to break it to anyone listening, but there's going to be more chip, more talk, chip talk next week. <laughs> uh, because, yeah, the, the, whatever the Qualcomm thing is, the 8 Gen 1 or something else, it is getting announced next week at their Snapdragon Summit. Um, that'll be next Tuesday on November 30th, I think, is when they've said they're going to do um, the announcement of the premium mobile tier, I think is how they describe it. 
but yeah, that will be announced. I'm actually going to be there at the other event for the launch. So we will be talking about it on the show next week. Where is I the am... event, though? It's in Hawaii. Where, where is that? Which, uh, which state? Hawaii. Did you Hawaii? say Hawaii, Dom? In <laughs> December? <laughs> I may be going to Hawaii, yes. Very it's not a big deal. Let's not make a big deal out what of it. What a long trip. I feel so terrible for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's look, so arduous. You know, it's a tough job, but someone's got to do it. Exactly. Um, exactly. Uh, I mean, the, the bad side of that is, <clears throat> I think at the time we would normally do the podcast, it will be six in the morning for me. So you'll know how hard like how hard a worker I am by whether I'm on the show next week. If I am on the show next week, I've woken up at six in the morning to do it. If I'm not on the show next week, it's because I'm too lazy to wake up at six in the morning and do it. And uh, you can find out for yourselves in a week's time. Uh, okay, moving on. We uh, Let's talk about the OnePlus. So the OnePlus 10 Pro. Um, before that, I actually want to quickly talk about the OnePlus 9RT, uh, which was their... Uh, the phone we got instead of the 90, which launched in China last month. And we always thought it was going to come to India and it just never did. But um, all of a sudden this week, there were a flurry of rumors that it is. And uh, it now looks like it's going to launch in India next month. And we've had a possible date, which is December 16th. The weird bit of this, and I hate this, part of the prediction is it's not going to be called the OnePlus 9RT when it launches in India. It's worse than you might think because apparently it's going to be called the OnePlus RT with no number, which makes no sense because how are they going to deal with that next year when they inevitably want to do this again? And how do they introduce it? I think this might be rubbish. I think it will be the 9RT because this sounds so silly. It's got that, a bit. Yeah, RT2 it just doesn't year. make sense. Or are they, gonna, are they pulling from not. the Nord naming? Like the CE? Like Yeah, I don't know. Oh boy, that is, that's rough. <laughs> really odd move. I don't understand it because you lose that connection to the flagship line, which was always the point of the R. I thought was it was kind of cheekily attaching to the flagship branding by including that number. And, and this is meant to be the same thing. So a little bit odd. We'll see what it's called when it comes out. But next month, that is apparently going to arrive in India, finally. Though we think then that will be it. It's not expected to launch anywhere else in the world. Um, that, interesting, actually does dovetail a little bit to some of the stuff we know about the 10 series. So there's been some weird... We'll get to the 10 Pro spec stuff in a second, but there's some oddities around the release leaks we've had here. Um, one is all of the leaks and rumors we've had so far are about the 10 Pro. There has been almost nothing about the regular OnePlus 10, which leaves me a little concerned that we're only getting a 10 Pro, given the way OnePlus has already had funny things like not doing the 90, um, or that we're going to get the 10 Pro first and the regular 10 later, which would seem weird. What's yeah. worse, in your opinion, getting no 10 at all or just having a delayed launch for the 10 for consumers? I think it's worse to not have it. If mm. nothing else, I kind of hate the idea of having a pro-branded phone where there literally is no non-pro <laughs> version of it. Right? Yeah, that would be the question. Would they go with the pro-branding or they just call it, this is the 10? I mean, if they want to move to one it. flagship at a time, fine, cool. I've got no problem with that, yeah. Um, mm. It's from a branding side. It's kind of weird to call it the pro if, if it's if it's the yeah. only one they're doing. I, I um, guess I'd be more curious if they did do that whether they'd keep the price as high as the current pros, like relative to the market, or whether yes. it would get cheaper if they just had the one device, even if they called it the pro. Because part of the pro pricing is justified by the 
buy the cheaper one and if you don't have it it's probably yeah. harder to charge what you're charging for the pro model exactly regardless of what the competition are doing um anyway so we've only seen stuff around the 10 pro which i find a little bit funny um we've also seen a little bit of release timing some people are saying we're going to see a launch as early as january or february which for OnePlus is is pretty early they're normally march yeah. april hmm. um What's then odd is I think Max Jambor, I want to say, uh, of all of the leaks, I think it was Max Jambor, um, tweeted out uh, sort of internal, yeah, it was, um, a, an image from what looked to be a release timeline, which marked January, February for, again, the 10 Pro launch, no mention of the 10, um, but for China, and then a global launch in March, April, which... Well, I would say OnePlus has never done this before, at least not for a long time, but hey, they just did the 9RT <laughs> in China and then waited apparently two months to give it its Indian announcement. So it kind of looks like OnePlus is now moving into that China-first model that, that Xiaomi and, and Oppo use, which would make some sense with its merging closer into Oppo because it is the approach Oppo takes for most of its launches. Um but I always find this a bit odd. I think it really diminishes the global launch, the excitement around these phones when it, it hurts the global markets, I think, to have a phone get announced in China and, and not be available for, for who knows how long anywhere else. And for OnePlus, I find it particularly baffling because although it is a Chinese company, it has always been a Chinese company, it has always, in terms of its branding and its market positioning, felt less Chinese yeah, And I don't mean that as a sort of good thing, that it's bad to feel Chinese or anything like that, but just they've clearly consciously positioned themselves as not like Xiaomi and Oppo, partly just down to having their name be in English. Exactly. It is clearly part of it. The fact that they actually sell in, in the US and a lot of, you know, the big Chinese rappers just don't. Um, it's always felt to me very conscious that they're trying to appear to be a global brand. Um, and this feels like a really odd choice and like a step away from that strategy which I worry about how it will, you know, whether that will hurt them. Yeah, I guess it's hard to say now they're under the stewardship of Oppo again, but like when they were kind of more independent, let's say more independent, mm. um, you know, early on when they were really just releasing one or two phones a year, the second being a refresh of the first, it was at least more transparent about where was getting it and where it wasn't, you know, it, yeah. it, was, it was either a yes or no for that device and that was it. Since they've kind of both expanded globally, and expanded the size of their portfolio each year. Um, it just goes to show like the challenge of trying to be a bigger player and mm. what entails. Uh, and also just like understanding your markets and how they differ. You know, the we don't even have the Nord. I think the Nord N200 is like a, a US exclusive version of basically so. like kind of like the CE 5G, but not quite. It's weird. Um, so, yeah, it's it's. I don't think it's good for a brand that built itself up on having a really strong, consistent release um, strategy, especially for no, flagship. Now they're totally fragmented. There's some that's yeah. out in China and nowhere else. There are some that are out in India and yeah. China, but not either US or Europe. There are some that are in Europe and India, but not the US. There are some that are only in the US. You can't even clearly break it down by line. It's not like all the Nords are in the same places. Even the number, like the Nord N10 and N100, um, some of them are out in Europe, but then the N200 isn't out in Europe. There's no consistency that you can tell from just looking at product names or, or release timing or anything like that. It feels very case by case, which makes sense. But yeah, I feel like it hurts, especially for a brand that's been so focused on kind of their fans. Yeah. And that's yeah. always been to be part of their appeal. I think it must 
it's inevitably going to hurt them because there will always then be some fans that look at their lineup and say, well, that's the phone I want. But they won't let me have that one because I'm in the wrong country. And I don't, they're releasing this one here instead, but that's not the one I want. I don't want the one they're giving me as an American buyer. I want the one they're giving the Europeans or vice versa. I remember Um, the the community hype around the fact that they were giving away a one-off special edition Nord, the original Nord, with like a fun back color. And they would mm. ship it anywhere in the world because it mm. meant fans of the brand who were in markets where the Nord wasn't available could get a Nord for free, which I thought was quite cool. But goes to show there's always demand. It's just that they can't meet it, which is a shame. That's kind of a, yeah. a nice problem to have, I guess. Sort of. But you always have to look and think, well, couldn't you do fewer models and thus manage to do them globally, which is obviously yeah. what they always did before. Um, but then you can't flood the market in specific regions where you want to you know mm-hmm. have a model at every price to which is obviously also part of the aim anyway um so yeah release stuff a little bit funny not sure how many phones we're getting but definitely something that looks like a 10 pro whether it's going to be called that or not and that is launching early 2022 for sure it may be china first and the rest of the world anyway we've seen renders of this phone already and i think we spoke about them on, on the show um with that unusual rear camera design that wraps around to the side of the device but doesn't wrap up to the top so it's a bit like the samsung galaxy modules um but more kind of side rather than corner uh, i know it's actually i think i remember saying that i quite like this but i think broadly it's been badly received and most people don't seem to be fans of the design but i kind of like it i didn't see the, the renders until i got back from this trip and i so mm. fresh eyes i do like it i think it looks quite nice it yeah immediately i got the s21 especially the, the yeah. ultra kind of sense of it um but also just like the scale of that triple or quad camera module is huge relative to the body of the phone like it looks yes. really massive which made me think yeah. of the new the iphone 13 pro the mm. pro specifically rather than the pro max because the camera on that That's is kind of comically point, yeah. big for the back of the phone the proportions are a bit odd. and it's the same here um yeah so what's new this week is we have some specs. So let's, I guess, turn to that. And I guess what I want to say from the top is these kind of match what we heard from Leaky Yogesh Bra months ago, which is that he'd said the OnePlus 10 series would be polished versions of the 9s and not a big step forward. And if the specs that OnLeaks shared this week are correct, that is exactly the case because not a lot has changed. Um... Some of that makes sense. Some of it I'm a little more concerned about. So sort of rattle through in the order I wrote them up. Um, The display is a 6.7-inch curved display, just like we had last time. It's 120 hertz AMOLED, just like we had last time. Um, It's QHD Plus as well, just like we had last time on the 9 Pro. One possible difference is that a previous leak... Not the OnLeaks leak, so this is different sources. But one source had said this year there'll be an upgrade to an E5 LTPO OLED. So it may be the same size, resolution, and refresh rate, but it'll be more power efficient, so better for battery life. And if it's LTPO, it could have that tech for the the you know better dynamic refresh rate. Um, I mean, that sounds like the panel. I think the Pixel 6 Pro 6.7 inches. So I think that is the mm. same panel or a very similar panel to that. And yep. the Vivo X70 Pro both have an E5 LTPO, 120 yep. hertz OLED with curved edges. So it's probably the same or similar yep. to that. So it's it's going to be a very minor jump, E4 yeah. to E5. In fact, I, I was sort of saying that that the 9 Pro was LTPO. It had that dynamic refresh rate. It was just that its E5 is a bit more power efficient. So 
the actual display quality is going to be fundamentally very similar, we think, but a little bit more power efficient. Um, so very, very minor change there. Chipset uh, expected to be the Snapdragon because that's always what we've had. So the Snapdragon 8, whatever that's that's going to be. Who knows, maybe there actually will be a Dimensity version or something like that. Um, I think OnePlus was on the list of people who said they're going to use the, the 9000. So again, raises that spectrum of, mm, they don't have that many phones in this price range. So hmm. maybe that will appear in one of the one of the 10s, or maybe the, there'll be regional variation. Was the Nord 2 their first Dimensity powered? Yeah. Yeah. Um, with the 1200. Mm. But yeah, this is, the 9000 is too powerful to put in a Nord, sure, it sure. seems to me. So that, that yeah. Um, but they've clearly got that relationship now. They were actually the first, I think, to have one of those custom versions of the 1200, right. the Dimensity 1200 AI. I think they were the first company to launch one of those tweaked versions. Um, anyway, so Snapdragon 8, that will be an upgrade from last year, but it's the, just the expected generational jump. Um, and it apparently will have the exact same 8 and 12 gigabyte RAM options and 128 and 256 gigabyte storage options, which OnePlus has used for as long as I can remember. <laughs> um, that's fine, to be clear. I actually don't think that's an area. I think the race to higher RAM is and you know, terabyte storage is, is, for the most part, silly. But, yeah, you know, no no, no upgrade there. Uh, one area we will get an upgrade is battery stuff. So, um, supposedly, it's going to have a 5,000 milliamp hour battery rather than 4,500. So, not a big, big jump, but... A jump and if the display is more power efficient as well that could be a pretty respectable battery life jump as well depending on how the chip is um and then again not from on leaks but from another source we've heard there'll be 125 watt wired charging uh, which would be a pretty sizable speed jump and that'd be enough for a full charge in 20 minutes supposedly so that is the first area there's a really clear well other than the chipset that's a clear jump. That bigger battery, faster charging, supposedly. Though we've heard nothing about the wireless speeds. Actually, we don't have any mainstream Oppo phones that currently support 120 watts, do we? I can't think of any. In terms of like getting an, an idea of just what that battery life might be like. I can't um, remember off the top of my head. I feel like they're all like 67 watts, watts pretty much. Mm. Xiaomi is the one who's pushing the 120 watts on like a couple of phones, and that's, a, that's about it. Yeah, Oppo has definitely shown off that speed in yeah. concept stuff. Um, none of those new Reno Sevens are this fast charging. Um, I'm yeah, I don't think they have mm. anything this fast. I guess we'll, if this is true, we'd probably see that same charging in the Find X4 Pro from probably. Oppo, which which may or may not get announced first. Um, the big question mark, I guess, here is camera stuff because this is certainly the area I was looking for an upgrade. And from what we've seen, there isn't one, or it's not a meaningful one. And and to be clear, we only have very top level camera specs, so there's, there may be you know tweaks to the details that make a difference here. Yeah. Um, the the front camera will supposedly be better. It's a 32 megapixel rather than 16 megapixel last year. So double the resolution on the front facing camera, though we don't know for sure what that means otherwise. Um, rear cameras, 48 megapixel main. 50 megapixel ultra wide and an 8 megapixel 3.3 times telephoto and that doesn't sound bad per se but that is the exact same setup <laughs> as the 9 pro now what like i said we don't have specific sensor names apertures anything like that so it may be these are different sensors at the same resolution it could be that they've played around with the actual lenses and the aperture to get better results out of some of them um 
it could even be all of this is wrong, of course. This is just the first, you know, the first meaningful leak around it. If that design it holds looks true, a lot then. like they've just thrown the same camera module in again. Yeah, if that design holds true, that, that design that's been leaked so far, like, seriously implies that the camera is the focus of the phone. So yeah, do yeah. not touch those sensors and only do algorithmic changes. I mean, I know that's what Google has done until now, but, like, I don't know for OnePlus fans if that's enough of a, a selling point, just as better AI algorithms for your photos. And it, well, and partly, Google sells itself on its algorithms. So yeah, when Google says really our algorithms are better, like you sit up and take line. notice. Mm. Whereas OnePlus, a lot of the line has always been, well, the software side isn't great, but they're usually throwing <laughs> yeah. good hardware. Yeah. So if they turn around and say, ah, we haven't bothered with the hardware this year, but the software, whoo, like <laughs> you're just going to be like, I don't know if I trust you on that. Mm. I, you know, maybe it is much better. Maybe this extra year of working with Hasselblad means they'll have, you know, transformed their image processing algorithms and there'll be you know a huge upgrade from last year it's very I mean, possible it was a bit rough right the Hasselblad stuff out the gate was I it found not? it very rough around the edges I've never returned to the 9 Pro really? after my review Interesting. Um, which is funny for me because normally whatever OnePlus I review would often be the phone I go back to for a long yeah. time um, I, I just didn't love the camera on the 9 Pro I certainly found compared to the other flagships around the same time it really underwhelmed me um, the image processing, certainly between lenses, very inconsistent. Um, and I, I found it was good. It was a good camera. But the whole point of the Hasselblad partnership was to... OnePlus have always done good cameras. The yeah. point was they were meant to be suddenly doing properly flagship great cameras. And it just wasn't. And yeah, this looks like it's... Yeah, we don't have any reason yet <laughs> to believe that's changing this year, I guess, yeah. is the is mm. the the minor concern. If they come out with a phone a year later where fundamentally it's had a bit of a redesign and the battery's bigger and they put in the new chip and they're going to try and charge the same price for it, I don't think that's going to go down very well. Yeah. If they made it cheaper. Sure. If this comes in with a price cut. If, say, there is no 10 and 10 Pro, this is, this is the 10 mm. and it's going to come in at a price that sits between... The 9 and the 9 Pro, something like that, if that is yeah. what's going on here. Very different story. You know, if this is going to be, relatively speaking, cheaper than the 9 Pro was when it launched, while being a, a kind of minor upgrade, that's that's totally fine. Um, the one thing you kind of look at all of this that they've put out here, and you can't help but wonder, and, you know, not entirely their fault, given the industry challenges at the moment, but this looks a lot like a 9T. <laughs> Right? or a 9 Pro T 9 T Pro um, yeah. this is the kind of upgrades they used to do on those those T models 6 months on, the charging's a bit faster and the battery's bigger um, and you go, cool, great like, right. you know, it's only been 6 months that's a totally reasonable and they often would throw in camera module redesigns I can't remember which year, on the, I think the 7 to the 70 they uh, introduced yeah. the circular camera for the T series if I'm getting my getting it the right way around that's right so they did do a big kind of redesign for the T without tweaking the actual specs too much, which made it a nice option for people who just preferred one look to the other. You had a meaningful choice without big spec changes between them. This looks a lot like this phone was meant to be that and that it was meant to come out with an 888 or an 888 plus and have that slightly bigger battery and faster charging and have come out in September. Chip shortage? I mean, like, also why, it's, it's, that, yeah. why it's launching yeah. early as well. Chip shortage, obviously, 
very reasonable reason for that. Very plausible. Everyone's been struggling with it. So I don't want to sort of sound like I'm throwing OnePlus under the bus for <laughs> this because, hey, if the problem is they couldn't build the thing, then they couldn't build the thing. It's, it is what it is, and it got delayed. But um, I do worry that when this comes out, if this is what we are going to see, and, you know, this is all leaks, this is all speculative, but this doesn't look like a big jump for a year on versus six months on. The question, I guess, is whether that's going to be the same for lots of rivals and everyone else is going to be in the same boat where phones, they, you know, don't have all the upgrades they would have normally had given sort of shifts, certainly with the partnership with Oppo. I know that happens to find X4 Pro leaks, but I haven't personally been following them. But, you know, you have to wonder, well, does this mean the Find X4 Pro is in kind of the same boat, that it's also having a very minor generational jump because um, because that's that's the limit to what they're capable of? Uh, going mm -hmm. forwards, you would sort of expect the Find X series and the OnePlus flagships to start merging a little bit in terms of what they offer. Yeah. Oppo's left itself more room with uh, adding back in a, a periscopic telephoto camera again. Be like, look at the upgrade. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I just, they could just take that, that microscopic camera out, put in a periscope and call yeah, it a hey, new it's phone. it's new. Yeah. Uh, and you've also, they've also got the foldable that they're working on, like Oppo has got yes. the foldable that they're and working on. The, it could just be the scrolly the, one. Yeah, the yeah, scrolly yeah, really one. Cool. They got the they scrolly thing, and their team is working on that. Mm. And yeah. they're just like, you know, we'll do this for now because we know that people are going to be more interested in these crazy foldables that we've got coming out in the next, you know, nine to twelve months. Mm. Um, it is worth noting, you know, talking about the Oppo partnership. Obviously, a big part of what's going to be new next year is the new combined OS. The sort of which has slowly been merging, but they say that there'll be a proper new unified thing in early twenty twenty two, presumably around the launches of this and the Find X series. So. That does sort of maybe lend weight to that idea that certainly on that camera side, they might be sticking with some of the same hardware and they, as their brand new thing, try and push the idea that the software's rebuilt from the ground up. We've, you know, redone everything. We've we, we built it up. And to be fair, I would have taken Oppo's camera software over OnePlus's any day of the week. And if they basically come out and it's like, well, fundamentally, I'm sure they wouldn't say it this way, but if it's basically like, yeah, it's the same hardware as last year, but we let Oppo do the camera app this time. Um, cool, that probably would be better. All right, I'll take it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll be okay with that because the Find X3 Pro camera was phenomenal. I really loved that. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we obviously will be following more of these, these leaks going forwards. If there's any big shifts in what we're expecting from the OnePlus 10 series, I will be sure to let, let our listeners know on the news section. Certainly, if we hear any more about that strange question of whether how many phones there will be, um, we also may hear more potentially over the next few weeks as the Qualcomm chip gets announced, and that kind of opens the floodgates a little bit for, for more developments on the, on the hardware that's going to use it. Okay, final topic of the today. We had to do it. Black Friday. Uh, it has been all-consuming for us on the Tech Advisor editorial team. It uh, sort of takes over our lives for a little bit once a year. and A little bit, like all of November and a bit of October. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, it takes over our lives a lot bit. Um, <laughs> but we're nearly there. But the biggest sales event of the year. Uh, I guess the question everyone always has is just, is it all it's cracked up to be? Because I think every year the same story goes around, which is Black Friday's a lie, the deals are no good, everything's the same price it always was, Manuf you know, retailers lie about the true price of items. Um, Lewis, what do you think? I mean, it, it, 
are there deals yeah. around that are worthwhile or should people trust black friday um i mean i was i was having this discussion with my mates the other day like i remember the first year that the black friday properly came to the uk and it was you know it's probably like 2014 something like that around then um and that was the year when people were giving away genuinely good deals like mm. you know, i remember you had like 42 inch tvs and has for like 80 quid and and people were going there and literally grab it off each other and fight and because you know this was a good deal it's not 300 quid it's, it's 80 fast forward to today and yeah it's not quite the same level i'd say in most places you do citizens you do still get genuinely good deals around this time of year like uh, I'm, I'm covering the nintendo switch deals um on tech advisor and i can hands down say that the deals that have come out in the last week or two have been better than the the rest of 2021 like overall they, switch in particular some... it feels like all of a sudden there are offers around yeah this is what i mean like for the past uh, few months i've been scratching you know it's, it's been hard to just find bundles for the switch in general because you know i think there was there was a time at the beginning of the year where there was stock was limited and then people were like well we just don't need to sell the bundles because we can just sell the console at full price and people are still buying it um so but yeah, so so Nintendo Switch are some genuinely good stuff, but also I have seen some some cheeky stuff for Nintendo Switch as well. So let's just I'll talk about my favorite deal is the uh, it's on the Nintendo Store at the moment. So you get the Switch, you get uh, Super Mario Eight Deluxe, and you get three months of of Switch Online, and that's for two hundred fifty nine pounds, which is the RRP of the yeah, console. It's by pretty itself. good. It's pretty sweet. That's not bad. Um, and a, uh, it's, this is the hard part. It's still a good deal, but it's it's a lot worse than it is. Is it's on eBay at the moment? It's shop two on eBay. They are claiming to have a sixty pound discount on the Nintendo Switch's RRP. The problem is that their RRP is apparently two hundred ninety nine pounds instead of two hundred fifty nine pounds that it actually is. So it's only a twenty pound deal. Mm-hmm. still 20 pounds off which is the cheapest i've seen for the console by itself but it's mm-hmm. a lie and it's just so frustrating and it just yeah. annoys me so much i wonder if that in that case if they can get away with it because I, I may be misremembering but i remember from from my days covering gaming more closely a while ago that nintendo actually doesn't set rrps it kind of has prices but it doesn't officially set them as an rrp so oh, i wonder really? if they can a bit more misleadingly in the case of the switch say oh yeah it's, it's it was always it's you know it's 300 pounds that's what we sell it for um because nintendo doesn't sort of enforce a set this is the price yeah how does that work uh, for so the i may be wrong that. No, um, i mean i know that there was the there was the the price drop in the uk so where did that come from if not nintendo itself mm. that's the question i think well i think it's a question of the prices they sell it to retailers for right they they take twenty quid off of what they're selling it to retailers yeah. for, and and they have a sort of guide price, you know, but it's not enforced. It's more is like I an guess what MSR- it is. is it MSRP? Maybe I think MSRP is just the American term for for recommended retail price. Same thing, yeah. different different names. But anyway, I, I think it's a question of do they enforce it or not? I think maybe Nintendo kind of says, hey, this this is this is the price we think you should sell it at, but they don't require you to. Is maybe the difference? Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, so that's that's a good example of, of a case where you do have to be a bit savvy. And if you're buying something that you don't know instinctively what the full price normally is, it's just always worth triple checking with a Google, checking other stores, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, obviously, the other classic thing we recommend, especially for Amazon deals, is um, there's a site called Camel, 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 which if you use, you can use to check the price history of an item on Amazon for both the UK and the US and uh, maybe other markets as well. But that's a really good way to just be like, especially if you want to take Amazon as a good sort of baseline for how much this thing normally costs, you can pretty quickly be like, okay, is this the cheapest it's ever been? 
Um, but also more importantly, it's it's that question of looking at the, the price off because while there are cases like that where it's they actually mislead you about what the full price is, there are others where they might honestly say it's RRP or MSRP is is you know 300 and, and we've cut it by 100. What they don't tell you is that they cut it by 80 months ago because this product's yeah. pretty old yeah. and it's always been 80 pounds off the msrp and now it's a further 20 pounds off and that's still a good deal it's a better price than it was last week it's 20 pounds cheaper but it's not 100 pounds cheaper you yeah. know <laughs> so it's not that kind of oh my god i've got to have it i must buy this now deal but it might still be a good deal and that's where it yeah. gets really messy and it's the best price right now <laughs> yeah and i think that to be fair is where i sometimes get frustrated with the discourse around oh, Black Friday's nonsense because the deals aren't legit. And it's true to some extent, but I think it gets overstated there where people are kind of like, well, because this isn't the cheapest it's ever been or because this deal isn't quite as good as the store is making it look like it is, that means it's a bad deal. Mm. And it's like, well, no, it might still be a very good price to buy that product at. Yeah. That's um, the thing with the Switch. Like, at 240 quid, it's the best price I've seen on it. It's just... You know, it just doesn't look good from the it's surface. It's not as good as what you... they say. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still good. You should still, you know, that's still a good option if you're looking to buy a Switch and you know you don't want any of the bundles that are out there, 240 yeah. outright for the console. Great. Um, there have been some say, other yeah, interesting. If, if, yeah, you go. I want to say just another top tip before we move on. Um, if you're going on something aside from Amazon and, and you want to use something else to ch- uh, price check, Price Spy is another good one. Not quite as reliable because it, it kind of lists. Um, Websites that I probably wouldn't order from. I don't know if they're legit. I don't know if they're fake. They just, they don't look like something I want to put my credit card details in, but they do cover <laughs> a lot of the main websites yeah. um, as well as the kind of variant and all that kind of stuff. And I think Amazon is on some of them as well. So if you want to get kind of a wider view of, of pricing right now and, and recent pricing, then price buy is a handy one to have as well. Mm. Also, we're, we're not to be biased, but I would also maybe direct people to techadvisor.com because... We had, even though we're all focusing on Black Friday right now, we spend the year, most of us, keeping tabs on various product categories to see how yeah. the price fluctuates over time. So yeah. we have a better idea of what is and isn't a good deal. So that's the mm. ones we choose to write around now on the site. So exactly, also just yeah, definitely go we, check us out. Yeah, because we, 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 we should, yeah, it's probably worth explaining that we have our own ones every month. We've had it for, for you know, for years. Some yeah. of them, my Nintendo Switch deals has been going for years. So like... We on the editorial team, we do watch these prices all year and we know what the good deals are. We're not just kind of... Exactly. exactly. Because a lot of people around Black Friday um, on other editorial teams, they'll kind of just get automated widgets that will pull in the price from every single retailer. Whereas we'd like to go the extra mile and and actually analyse all these deals before we put them live. So So if we are recommending something, that actually means one of us has looked at it and said, yes, that's a good deal. (laughs) For some reason or another. Um, I think one of the things that's interested me this year, looking around the deals, I've been focusing on on phone deals, which probably won't surprise anyone too much. I've seen more than I'd say a usual, which are sort of bundle deals. I think yeah. it's maybe a way that manufacturers, retailers have been kind of dealing with stock shortages and things like that, is that often it's not about price cuts this year. There's been a lot that are about kind of, well, it's sort of like the return of some of those pre-order bonuses you get around phones. So I'm seeing lots yeah. of offers for phones where it's we'll get the phone and there's a bit of money off the handset, but also we're going to give you some headphones for free. Uh, one of the great ones in the UK is, is the network EE, um, is that for certain contracts that you buy, for certain sort of you know network plans, if you spend over a certain amount on the plan, that when you get the phone, they'll throw in an Xbox Series S 
and three months of Game Pass Ultimate Amazing. and unlimited data to use on gaming. Like your gaming Amazing. bit of your data is unlimited. And suddenly it's like, well, okay, if you're someone who games a lot, like, yeah. wow, that's really hard to beat. And it's on good phones like the Pixel 6. You can go and get, you know, Pixel 6 is a pretty good, decent contract price and get, you know, all this perfect setup for cloud gaming and a free console for your house, which is worth, you know, a couple hundred in its own right. So I think those are a lot of what I've been seeing the best of. Um, which is great if you're looking for other tech, but you've got to be warned that if you are really specific in what you want and you don't want to be upsold headphones and games consoles and smartwatches, I think you might struggle a bit this year. Yeah, yeah I that's, agree. that's kind of the way that I've been seeing it. There's definitely, um, it's even on Amazon, you know, the, the king of, of selling things separately. They're even bundling things like the uh, the Echo Dot and, and the Ring older ring doorbells together because they're not discounting any of the new stuff mm. it's older stock and they're bundling that together to make it seem like a better deal um so yeah i think i'd agree with you there and i'd say there's generally the pricing reductions as the year has gone on don't feel any like there's no seismic shift now we've hit black friday the reductions seem just kind of par for the course if mm. you're just going on price reductions alone like no extras no bundles whatever so yeah that's yeah, what i've noticed they're often ones where it's sort of there's an extra thirty pounds, yeah. you know, but in the scale of the cost of a, you know, an eight hundred pound phone, the fact that exactly. it's, you know, now it's one hundred and eighty off, whereas before it was one hundred and fifty off. It's like that's good. And again, it's like we're talking; it is a good deal, but yeah, it's not one that you really need to rush for, and or feel like if you miss it, you'll never get that kind of price again. Because the heady days of the rushing into the department store to snap the TVs off the shelf yes. sort of situation doesn't end uh, with this. That said, I think there are a couple of things I've seen that are genuinely good prices right now. I haven't seen before now, and I don't know when we'll see again. Lewis has mentioned Switches. I think Switches, if you were looking to buy a Switch, now feels like a really good time. Maybe not for the OLED model. I know there's probably some bundles around, but certainly for the the original Switch, if you're happy to buy that older one, there are good prices. Um, One of the other big ones we've seen is the Oculus Quest 2, which is notoriously hard to find at a discount. It's technically still not a discount, but if you buy an Oculus Quest 2, you'll currently get a £50 or €50 Euro coupon back, which is being honoured by most retailers, including Oculus itself, but also Amazon and Best Buy in the US and John Lewis in the UK and a lot of the big stores. So um, if you are looking for that, now is a good time to buy that because this the Quest 2 is never discounted by more than about 20 quid, $20 is the most yeah. I've ever seen it off, um, really. So... That fifty quid is or fifty dollars is good. Um, if you buy it from Oculus, it's Oculus credit, so that basically commits you to buying fifty dollars worth of new games for your Quest Two. You need but some. I'd recommend that. But to be honest, yeah, it's not that or a retailer voucher. I'd probably go with the Oculus Store because there are a lot of very good games on there now. Yeah, yeah. Usually, I hate like brand specific credit or whatever, but in that case, it kind of makes sense to me. Like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Right. I mean, you're going to want games first... with it. It's yeah. essentially yeah, a, exactly. a way of doing a build-your-own bundle. You get the headset yeah. and you get £50 worth of games thrown in, but you get to pick what they are. That's cool. Um, so that's a good one. I think genuinely that is a good deal. If you were toying with a Quest 2, don't be thrown off by the fact that it's not really money off. Like That is the best deal in a long time. Um, the other one I want to shout out is you know, my bae, um, the, the Z Flip 3, <laughs> has, has had some decent discounts. So if you're on the UK side, it's £150 off at either Amazon or the Samsung store. I think maybe some other retailers might have might be matching that. But certainly at Amazon or from Samsung Direct, you can just straight up, it's £150 off. And I always said part of what makes that phone so good is that it's a competitive price. But that was at 949 Taking it down to 800 is suddenly like 
wow yeah okay that that's an amazing six price. pro like that's a that's a hard decision at yeah that point. and i never expected to see that steep a discount on the z flip 3 this fast for, for black friday yeah, I was about to say, yeah it hasn't even been out for that long really has I, it Since i was gonna months. say talk about the galaxy watch 4 range as well because they all launched together and i am impressed that something is already putting such heavy discounts for black mm -hmm. friday yeah. they're probably the most black friday feeling discounts that i've seen is is the mm -hmm. reductions we're getting on the samsung stuff because it's very rare to get good discounts on on new tech especially yeah. um and Z Flip 3 for the US, you're also not out of luck. Um, it's a slightly different, sort of better or worse, depending on how you see it. It's only $100 off. So say the 999 model is now 899 But like I was talking about bundles, they'll throw in the Galaxy Buds 2 as well. Nice. And they sell for 150 in their own right. So if you would, if you want those headphones anyway, it's sort of like getting 250 <laughs> off. If you don't really want the headphones, then, you know, it's $100 off and you get some headphones. You'll you get some neither headphones. here nor there. You can not. sell them on. But exactly. <laughs> yeah. And they're good headphones. I reviewed the, the Buds too. I like them a lot. So that's another one that I think if you've been toying with that big foldable jump, that's a very good discount. And I think it runs till Cyber Monday, both those ones. But I really feel like they're going to go back up and it's going to be another few months before we see that kind of discounting again. On the like on, a, on a related note, uh, in the US, on the uh, Z Fold 3, the bigger one. Yeah, it has a good Z Fold 400, Yeah, $400 off at the moment and with the Buds 2 as well. So that brings it down to $1,400, I think it is, uh, yeah. for the entry-level model. I mean, if you count the Buds you know, 2 value, that's 550 bucks off. Yeah. Which, so that's know. not bad for, for the top-end foldable phone yeah. you know, of 2021. So. Yeah, probably yeah, the best waiting. value for money and book style book style foldables or, or exactly yeah right now in the world and again that was one that was already a price we felt was surprisingly competitive for what mm. it was you take 400 bucks off it and again it's right suddenly in that space where it's really competing directly with the top level iphones and stuff and you have exactly, to really yeah. be like well yeah i could actually get this for basically the same price as an iphone 13 pro or pro max so yeah mm -hmm. samsung's gone gone aggressive this year um uh, OnePlus has some good sales as well. I was a bit down on some of the, the recent OnePlus, you know, the, the, the phones this year. But certainly in the UK, you can get £200 off the OnePlus 9 Pro, which if you are more of a fan than I am, that is pretty decent. <laughs> and again, for, for a newish phone. Um, and another one I want to shout out for the UK is the Oppo Find X3 Pro, which is currently about 350 quid off in the UK. Bring it to 740 Um That is one where it has been dropping in price throughout the year so this isn't a really sharp sudden black friday saving but the only downside i had for the find x3 pro in my review was fundamentally that it was too expensive and as soon as you take 350 quid off it i i don't really worry about that anymore yeah so i think that is one of the best phones you can buy at that kind of price certainly for the uk and in the same vein as the Samsung stuff, like that's pretty new. Uh, I'm just currently writing up a story on the Honor 50, which, you know, I think Dom, you reviewed it within yes, the last month. Yeah. That's already um, been. It's getting, yeah, it's already got like a hundred quid off from a bunch of retailers. Yep. Um, but also they've got some bundles. If you go to Honor Direct, so you also get a free case and then you get discounts on accessories. So you also get, yeah. you know, a cheaper smartwatch or headphones or fitness tracker um i think the i think the watch trackers. is free if you buy it, if you buy it direct from honor i think you get the magic watch 2 thrown in that is a Vodafone deal it was on the honor website as well as of okay. yesterday so there if it's go. not today then their deal has gotten worse <laughs> fair enough um yeah at least as of yesterday there was that but i decided the 100 pounds off is actually probably a bit more appealing to most people because the magic watch 2 is actually quite an old smartwatch now yeah um but uh, that's yeah another one where that phone came out 
I think last month, maybe the month before. Yeah. And it's now already had a 20% discount applied to it, which is really fantastic. And that is a good phone. I like the Honor 50 a lot. Um, so, and it has Google as we, we spoke about on the show, but it is genuinely, it's a very good phone. Obviously, Honor 60 is coming out, but the 50 is new to the UK and the European market. And uh, I, I'm not surprised they're discounting it because I think they need to start clawing their market share back. Make a bit of a <laughs> By any means like, necessary. hey, look at us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously at the cheap end of the market, Xiaomi are just, you know, tearing down their own price tags as aggressively as they <laughs> can. They're already and, so low. Yeah, it, it, it is a very good time to buy a Xiaomi phone if you do want yeah. one because they're all reduced by, especially the cheaper end. I don't think they've reduced the flagship high-end ones by quite as much. No. But there's some really big discounts on uh, on their budget uh, Xiaomi and Poco devices. And so, they're throwing in like a smartwatch here and there as well exactly yeah also the ones where there's that kind of thing and and if you look the other thing to say is to look for a lot of places there are codes as well as the discounts on the basket Mm -hmm. so do check around because yami is one like that where um on their home page they advertise a code that gives you like 10 percent off everything or something but it's not always advertised on the individual product pages so you, you might be able to get an even better discount than is already being advertised so just make sure before you buy anything right now do that shopping around a bit of just checking where is there actually a coupon code as well because sometimes there is and sometimes they stack um and you can sort of you know really multiply the savings amazing cool right well that's enough um shilling for big phone <laughs> i think yeah hashtag not week. sponsored this episode is not sponsored by anyone and yet we've given them all free press <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome you're welcome we will be back next week um less frazzled by all things black friday um fingers crossed i may or may not be here like i said it'll be six in the morning for me from from sunny hawaii so if i am on the pod then i will be there with palm trees sort of waving hazily in the background as i you know sip on a mai tai at six in the morning that's so um, you can be sat by a pool or on the beach just like doing the podcast <laughs> exactly uh we'll, we'll see how good the signal is there he oh. is there's toddy doing his best <laughs> that'll be me but you know the six in the morning bleary eyed version i'll just put like five espressos in the coconut and uh perfect go with that <laughs> it'll be fine that sounds nice actually coconutty coffee yeah I it does do sound pretty good hmm. uh yeah we will be back whether i'm there or not these guys certainly will be talking about the next snapdragon chip for sure uh like i said the honor 60 will be launching next week as well so i imagine we'll be talking about the honor 60 and we'll we'll rummage around and find something else to talk about too by the time we get there so, thank you to everyone for watching and listening. As always, thank you to Lewis and Toddy for joining me on the show through what has been a very busy work day. And <laughs> if you're on YouTube, please do remember to like and subscribe. It really does help. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.